If you would, please open your Bibles again to the book of Philippians chapter 3, please. Philippians chapter 3. We're continuing our study on God's wonderful salvation. This is the fourth and final uh, message on this topic. I hope this has been, study has been a blessing to you. If you've missed any of them, they, all of the messages are on our church website, and you can watch them. If you missed any of them, I want to review what we covered in the past. Philippians chapter, uh, let's begin, we're gonna begin with chapter 1, please. Philippians chapter 1, and we'll go back to Philippians 3. We've been talking about God's wonderful salvation. How about you? This study has recharged my spiritual batteries. I've got thrilled. I was saved when I was eight years old. I've been saved over 50 years. And I'm no more, I'm more excited about my salvation today than it was the day I got saved. To know what Christ has done for me and what he is doing and what he shall do thrills my soul. We have a little Jeep, battery-powered Jeep in our garage that we purchased for our grandkids. And they love going around the yard with it. And sometimes the battery gets low. And it goes very, very slow. And so when it happens, we recharge it, and then it really flies again around the yard. Uh, this has really recharged my batteries. I'm thrilled about my salvation and hope that you are too about your salvation. First of all, this is a quick review of what we covered all three of the messages. Uh, look in Philippians chapter 1, please. Look in verse 6, please. Here it talks about the three... May I use the word stages or aspects of our salvation? Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. We covered this each week. Just a quick review. Paul said in verse 6, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. The three aspects of our salvation is mentioned here. First of all, it talks about the believer's salvation had a beginning, a past. It said, He which hath begun a good work in you. Notice salvation is God's work. Not something we do, but what he does in us. And the work began when you trusted Christ as Savior. He which hath begun a good work. Notice it's a good work. It's a work of God in you. And so when you trusted Christ as Savior, God began to work. At that moment, he saved you from sin's penalty. But God's not finished with you yet. The second aspect as he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. Basically, the believer's salvation continues in the present. God is now saving us from the power of sin. He indwells us by his spirit. He gives us strength and victory over sin. And also in the process, the goal is to conform us to the image of his son. So as a Christian, we can say, I have been saved from sin's penalty. I am being saved from sin's power. But the future aspect, it says, he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. In other words, we shall be saved. I have been saved, I am being saved, and I shall be saved. That's yet future. And that's the package of your salvation. So today I want to focus on the, complete, the completion of the believer's salvation. Your salvation is not complete. Now don't miss this now. Salvation from sin's penalty is done, is finalized. Jesus said on the cross before he died, it is finished. So our sin debt was paid in full at the cross. Now, therefore, there's no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. That's settled and secure. But God didn't stop there. He is now working in you both to will and perform his good pleasure to conform you to the image of his son. But he's not done yet. 
He will continue to do so until the day of Jesus Christ when Christ returns. So we want to focus on that today. Now look at Philippians chapter 3, if we please. Uh, verse we read together, verse 20. Here it talks about the believer's glorification. The first past text of the believer's salvation, the process of the believer's sanctification, now the believer's glorification. Philippians chapter 3, look with me in verse 20, please. Philippians 3, 20. Here it talks about the completion of the believer's salvation. In verse 20, he says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence we also, also we look for the Savior. The word conversation, you're talking about your talking like we're conversing with each other. It's talking, the word means citizenship. When you were born in the United States of America, you become a citizen of this country. When you were born of God, you become a citizen of heaven. And Paul said our citizenship, here it talks about, is in heaven, from whence also we look for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, Christ is coming back one day. And I believe if you look at the events of our, what's going on in our world, I believe it's very, very soon. But he goes on to say when he returns, verse 21, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he's able even to subdue all things to himself. The believer's salvation will complete, will be complete when Christ returns, when he comes to take us home to be with him. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, I believe the verse will be on the screen. We've covered this already. Paul, excuse me, John said, Beloved, speaking to Christians, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall what? Appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. In other words, this final aspect of salvation comes when Christ returns for his, for his church. At that moment, my body, your body will be changed, fashioned like unto his glorious body. When he shall appear, we shall be like him. That will be the completion of our salvation. But notice this salvation, there will be a resurrection of the dead and the removal of the living. I'll explain it to you in a moment. When Christ returns, there will be a resurrection of the dead and a removal of the living. Turn with me, please, to 1 Corinthians 15, please. 1 Corinthians 15. Here it speaks of this resurrection and the removal of the living. Page 1621, if you're using a church Bible. Many of the verses we'll have on the screen. Some we will turn together. So I hope you'll use the Bible if you did not bring one with you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, please. Again, we're talking about the final aspect of a believer's salvation. When Christ returns, our bodies will be changed, fashioned like unto his glorious body. And when he shall appear, we shall be like him. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50, please. Notice, first of all, we cannot go to heaven the way we are. There must be a change in our physical bodies. These bodies were not built for heaven. We get a new body one day. Notice what it says in verse 50, please. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. <coughs> Excuse me. Paul said, now this I say, brethren, speaking to Christians, the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. The body that you're present live in will not go to heaven. It must change. In fact, that's the next point. There must be a change. 
<coughs> we cannot go to heaven the way we are, there must be a change. This flesh and blood that we have presently cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption, that which is going to decay, inherit incorruption. There must be a change. Look in verse 51, please. Paul said, Behold, I show you a what? Mystery. Now, please listen. A mystery in the Bible is a truth revealed for the first time. It may be a mystery to us, but it was not a mystery to God. And the, this refers to, we're going to look at in a moment too, the rapture of the church, where the Lord comes for his saints to take us home be with him. You will not find the rapture in the Old Testament. You will not find the rapture in the Gospels. It was revealed to us through the Apostle Paul. Right here. Behold, I show you a truth revealed for the first time. He goes on to say, <coughs> excuse me, we shall, not, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. What he's saying here, there will be a generation of believers when Christ returns that will not experience physical death. That's what we use the phrase, we're not looking for the undertaker, but looking for the what? Overtaker. If the Lord would return at this moment, we would not experience physical death. And so uh, we shall not all sleep, it says there. The word sleep is not talking about the person in the back row who is snoozing. It's talking about people who have died. But he goes on to say, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be what? Changed. Listen carefully. There's so much truth here that exposes false doctrine. There are many people who believe when the rapture comes, the Lord, that our, we will get new bodies and our bodies we live in now will be left behind. It didn't say we shall be exchanged. It says we shall be what? Changed. When the rapture happens, you're not going to leave your body behind and get a new one. This body is going to be changed on the way up. But also, it says that we shall all be changed. There are many people that teach at the rapture only that Christians who are saved, Christians, excuse me, that are living for the Lord, the godly, dedicated, serving the Lord, they'll go up. But if you're carnal and backslidden, you'll be left behind. Now, the question is, what kind of Christians was Paul speaking to in the church of Corinth? They were carnal. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, he said, I cannot speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. So carnal Christians. In fact, if you read the book of Corinthians, these Christians were involved with, uh, there was strife, there was divisions, there was heresy, there was immorality, there was drunkenness practiced by these Christians. And Paul said, we shall all, not just the spiritual, but the carnal shall be taken up. So if you're here today and you're saved, but you're backslidden, you can look forward to this. Because you'll be called up. Now, it might, be, it might appear before the Lord shame, ashamed because of what you've been living, but you'll be called up together also. So this, there must be a change. But also, this change will be instantaneous. This change will be instantaneous. Look in verse 52, please. It says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. It didn't say the blinking of an eye. You can see that. The twinkling of an eye. That means that light, when light reflects off your eye, it basically at the speed of light, in just a moment. In other words, you won't, the world will not see people gradually go up. In other words, they'll be here and gone. It'd be like Enoch in the Old Testament, though Enoch was, uh, there's not talking about the rapture, but it's a type of the rapture. The Bible said Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. That's why you'll be. You're living for the Lord, and all of a sudden, pfft, you're not, well, you are not. 
but you go to heaven. And so that's a type of the rapture, but it would be instantaneous. It would not be a slow process, and the world sees people gradually going up. My friend, you know, they look at you, and you're gone, taken to heaven instantly. Next thing about it, the believers who have died, their bodies will be resurrected. Our loved ones who have already died, their bodies will be resurrected. We're going to show you clearly from Scripture. When you die, your, body, your soul does not remain in the grave. There's another false teaching today called soul sleep. The churches that preach that say basically when you die, your spirit and your body remains in the grave until Christ returns. Yet that is not true. Christ will come, there'll be a resurrection, not of your spirit, but of your body that's died. Look in verse 52. Not a part of it. It says, for the dead shall be raised incorruptible. Verse 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption. In other words, for example, right behind us here, we have a graveyard. Both my mom and dad are buried there. Now, they are in heaven, but their bodies are buried back here. When Christ returns, their body will be resurrected. And when Christ comes back, I'm going to show you another scripture, the Lord will bring them with him. They're not coming for them. They're coming with them. What is resurrected is their bodies reunited with their spirit when Christ returns. Number five, the believers who are living will be changed. The believers who are living will be changed. We'll be removed from this earth, and on the way up, we will be changed. Again, it says in verse 52, the latter part, we shall be changed. Verse 53, this mortal, talking about the living, must put on immortality. So what will happen when Christ returns? First of all, we can't go to heaven where we are. There must be a change, and that change will be instantly. It'll be the, the, the believers who have died, they're in heaven, but the bodies are in a grave that will be resurrected. And then we which are alive remain shall be called up together in the heaven to be with them. This is referred to in the Bible as the rapture. You've heard of the rapture before? Many do not believe in the rapture. They say, I don't believe in the rapture because the word is not in the Bible. It's not. But the truth of it is, for example, the word Trinity, I believe in the Trinity. But that word's not found in the Bible. The word rapture is not found in the Bible, but it's a, a word given to a biblical truth. Go with me now to the book of Thessalonians. Keep your finger in Corinthians. We're coming back to that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, please. 1 Thessalonians 4, page 1664, if you're using a church Bible. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, please. Here's another passage of scripture that refers more, more specifically to the rapture of the church, as Paul did in Corinthians. Look what he said in verse 13, please. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 13. Again, he's speaking to believers here, brethren. He said, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are what? Now, again, he's not talking about the person in the back pew that's snoozing. He's talking about our loved ones who have died. How many have loved ones in heaven? He's talking about them. I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, those who have died, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. The Lord talks about, you know, when we lose a loved one, there's sorrow. When my mom and dad died or other loved ones, I grieved. But it is not sorrow without hope. For those of us who are saved, we may lose a loved one, but we have the assurance, the hope that we will see them again one day. The unsaved does not have that. They have no hope without Christ. But read on. 
It says in verse 14, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also which sleep, those which have died in Jesus, will God what? Underline it. God bring with him. At the rapture, he does not come for them. When he comes back, he'll bring them with him. Now look up here, please. What you see up here is not me. It's a body which I live in. So what do you mean, Pastor? The other day I was doing some woodwork and I hit my finger with a hammer. I didn't say, whoo, I hit me. I hit my finger. One day I was trying to get something off the floor and hit the table for my grandkids. I lifted up and hit my head on the bottom of the table. I didn't say, whoo, I hit me. No, I hit my head. This is my finger. This is my head. It is not me. It's a body that God's given me that I'm living in. When I die, my body will go to the grave, but I will go to heaven. And so that's true of all believers. But the scripture says when Christ comes back at the rapture, those believers that are in heaven, he will bring them with them. Their bodies will be resurrected, reunited with their bodies, and then we which are alive. So now look in verse, uh, verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise, what? First, now look at me, please. So at the rapture, we will not, it said the word prevent means proceed. Basically, when, when the Lord comes back, I use my family again, he'll bring my mom and dad with him. They're in heaven now. Bring a spirit. But what happens, their, their bodies will be resurrected. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which alive remain, shall be caught up together with them, to meet the Lord in the air. But that will happen instantaneously. They will go up and will quickly follow them. And it goes on to say, the bodies will go up, excuse me. It says, verse 17, then we which alive remain shall be caught up together. That's where we get the word rapture from. The word caught up. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord where? Now, the Lord's return has two aspects. The Lord coming for his saints. We will meet him in the air. That's the rapture. But there's another aspect of the Lord coming with his saints. That's the revelation. One is before the tribulation period. One is after the tribulation period. Then he says here, wherefore comfort one another with these words. So basically, that will be the completion of your salvation. So as a Christian, praise the Lord, I've been saved from the penalty of my sin. When I trust in Christ. But presently, I am being saved from the power of my sin, for the Lord is conforming to the end of his Son. But one day, I shall be saved from sin's presence when Christ comes to take me home with him. Now, quite often, I'm asked, Pastor, if I get a new body, what's it going to be like? You ever thought about that? We're going to get a brand new body. When Christ comes out and says, we shall be changed. This body I have now, I'm going to get a new one. What's it like? What's the new body going to be like? I'm glad you asked. The Bible gives some details. Let me give you some verses we already covered. Philippians 3.21, we began with. I'll read it to you. I believe it'll be on the screen. It said, Who shall change our vile bodies, that it may be fashioned like unto what? His glorious body. So the body that he had after his resurrection, my body, 
be fashioned like unto that body, which is called a glorious body. So whatever his glorious body is like, I will be like, and so will you. 1 John 3, 2, beloved, now we are the sons of God, and doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be what? Like him. So, pastor, what will my body be like? Be like Christ. In fact, it'll be changed, fashion like unto his glorious body. When he appears, I shall be like him. So whatever the characteristics of his resurrected body, ours will be the same. So what was his body like? So his glorious body. So I can see what, what my body will be like. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Go with me now, if you please, to Luke 24, please. Luke 24. Luke 24. First of all, our new bodies will be physical or material bodies. It will not be a spirit floating around the air. We will get a physical, or I use the word material body, different than what we have now. Luke 24, this was after the resurrection when Christ appeared to his disciples. Look what he said. Luke 24, 36, page 1482, if you're using a church Bible. Page 1482, Luke 24. What will our new bodies be like? It will be a material, or use the word slash, a physical body. Verse 36. As they spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted, suppose they had seen a what? They no doubt saw Christ crucified. They knew that he was buried, but now he rose from the dead. And while they were there, guess who appeared with them? Christ did. And when, he, when they saw him, they were terrified and afraid because they thought, they thought they saw a ghost, a spirit. But look in verse 38. And he, Jesus, said unto them, Why are you troubled? Why do your thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my what? My hands and my feet. That is, I myself handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed him hands and feet. In other words, he had a body. He was not just a spirit. He had a physical body, one they could touch, one they can handle. Remember when he appeared to uh, Thomas? He said, Thomas, stick your finger and put it in the hole of my hand. Thrust your hand in the hole of my side. Be not faithless, but believe him. So the body he had was a physical body you could touch handle. So if I have a body like him, guess what? We'll have a body, a new body that you can touch and handle, a physical body. Next. We're going to see also this new body, it can ingest food. It can ingest food. How many like food? I think, <laughs> I think one of the joys of life is food. <laughs> I enjoy eating. The other day I got so upset, I got so sorry for somebody. This person had COVID over a year ago and still hadn't got the taste back. I go, oh, I'm so sorry because so much of life enjoyment is eating and the flavor of food. You realize you go to heaven, you'll be able to eat. How many can say hallelujah? <laughs> Luke 24, please. Look in verse 41. Luke 24, 41. Here's talking about Christ in his resurrected body. Verse 41. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have you here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broad fish and have honeycomb, and he took it and did what? In his glorified, resurrected body, he could eat. So if my body is going to be like his body, guess what? 
we get to eat. You ever heard of the marriage supper of the Lamb? That's the future. While we're in heaven, there's going to be a supper. How many know what supper means? There's going to be food there. And so our new bodies, we can ingest food. Next, we're going to see that it can appear and disappear. It can appear and disappear. In Luke 24, 31, it not only be a material body, it can ingest food, but also it can appear and disappear. Luke 24, 31, it said their eyes were open and they knew him and he what? Vanished out of their sight. So he appeared, but they could touch him and handle him and all of a sudden he disappeared. Another aspect of Christ's body, it can pass through solid objects. It could pass through solid objects, such as walls or doors. The verse bill on the screen, John 20, when the uh, disciples in the upper room, for the fear of the Jews, it said, John 20, 19. Then the same day at the evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in their what? So basically... They were in a room, the doors being shut, and guess who come right in? You know, think, think about the, uh, the empty tomb. When the disciples came, the stone was rolled back. The stone was not rolled back to let Jesus out. He was already gone. To let them in to see that he was gone. He must have passed right through the stone. Also, remember when they found his clothes? His clothes were like, it was nothing, uh, it was just nothing to mess with, except it was deflated. There was no body in it except for the wrap around his head. He passed right through his clothes. He went passed right through the stone wall. He left that way. So that means if my body is like his body, guess what? We Maybe we can pass through walls. Now think about this. If the rapture happened right now, I, w- I wish it would. The Bible says we will be snatched away, caught up. My body shall be changed. Now if it's not changed, Either I'm going to bounce off the ceiling or I'm going to bust a hole in the ceiling. But basically, I believe that means we can just pass right through it. You understand what I'm trying to say? If my body is going to be like his glorious body, and when he shall appear, I shall be like him. These are circumstances. They're like that. Let me give you some other characteristics of our glorified body. 1 Corinthians 15, please. 1 Corinthians 15, page 1620. In fact, they, here's a question about what will our glorified, resurrected body be like. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35, please. Notice the question here. But some men will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Here's a question about the body and the resurrection. Notice, first of all, in verse 40, it would be vastly different from our present body be vastly different from our present body. My new body will be different from my existing body. Look in verse 40. I want to read verse 40 through verse 44, then we can see the difference. It said, for there are celestial bodies, so not heavenly bodies, body we have from heaven, and, and, uh, and bodies terrestrial, means earthly. So there'll be a heavenly body we have when we go to heaven, and an earthly body we have now. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. Verse 41. There is a glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star differed from another star in glory. 
verse 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in corruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body. It is raised in a spiritual body. There is a natural body and a spiritual body. So let me go through these quickly. He's comparing the two. Talking about a celestial body, the body we'll have in heaven, and a terrestrial body that we have presently now. The, our terrestrial, our earthly bodies, is said it is sown in corruption. That means it's subject to death and decay. It is sown in dishonor, which means reproach and shame. It is sown in weakness. It's subject to sickness and death. It is sown a natural body, means of the earth. But notice here, the heavenly body, the characteristic of that body, it is raised in incorruption. It is not subject to death or decay. It is raised in glory, means splendor and honor. It is raised in power by God's miraculous strength and raised a spiritual body equipped for heaven. There's a comparison between the two. But notice next also, our new glorified bodies will not experience the painful things of our present body. Our new bodies we receive at the rapture will not experience the painful things of our present body. A verse many of you know, Revelation 21, verse 4. Talking about when we get to heaven. It says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. In other words, our bodies now has pain has sorrow, has sickness, has crying, has death. But when you get a new body, no more. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more sickness. How many can say praise the Lord? We have something to look forward to, don't we? That will happen when our salvation is complete, our glorified bodies. Now, let me go through this quickly because I covered a lot this morning, and we'll wrap it up. We're talking about the completion of the believer's salvation. Our salvation will be complete when Christ returns. There will be a resurrection of the dead, a removal of the living. We cannot go to heaven where we are. There must be a change. This change will be instantaneous. The believers who have died, the bodies will be resurrected. The believers who are living, the bodies will be removed and changed. This will happen at the rapture of the church. We're talking about the characteristics of our new body. It is a material body. It can ingest food. It can appear and disappear. It can pass through solid objects. It is vastly different from our present body. It will not experience painful things as our present body does. Now, as a question to close, how should that affect our lives? I don't know about you. It gives me great joy and comfort to know this. But how should that affect me as a believer, knowing all this would happen? That I have been saved that I am being saved, but one day I shall be saved. How should that affect my life? I'm glad you asked. We're going to conclude with this. 1 Corinthians 15, if you're still there, look in verse 55. 1 Corinthians 15, 55. If not, I'll read it to you. Paul concludes this wonderful chapter in the resurrection. He said, O death, where's thy sting? O grave, where's thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of the sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 58, therefore, because of all that, therefore, he says, but my beloved brethren, being steadfast, immovable, 
always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain the Lord. In other words, how should it affect me? We should live faithfully and godly for the Lord. We should live faithfully and continue the Lord. We should serve him faithfully, be steadfast and movable, always abounding. The second way it should affect our lives, from Scripture we've all looked at, we should live clean and pure lives. As believers, we should live clean, not only faithfully and dependably, continually, but clean and pure lives. First, first John chapter 3, a verse we read, it says, Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. But notice in verse 3, For every man that hath this hope in him purify himself even as he is what? Pure. So all these last four weeks, we talked about this wonderful salvation. Pastor, how should that affect me as a believer? Besides giving me great joy and comfort in what's going to happen one day to me, my friend, it should cause you to be faithful to the Lord, to be dependable, steadfast, immovable, but also encourage you to live a clean life. Because my friend, he could come back in any time. Paul said, John said this, that when he comes, there'll be some that will be ashamed. There'll be believers that are ashamed. Why would you be ashamed if he would come today? If all of a sudden you were snatched away, caught by the Lord, what would cause you to be ashamed? If you're living an impure life, if you're living in sin as a Christian, my friend, I don't know about you, I would be ashamed. So we need to be ready. And so not for the undertaker, but for the uppertaker when that time comes. Let me close with this. Thank you for your patience. Let me ask you a question. Would you be a part of that rapture? If all of a sudden the Lord would snatch away all believers, all of a sudden everyone knows Christ's Savior disappeared, would you be a part of that? In other words, would you go to heaven? You know for certain you have eternal life. In Revelation 21, verse 27, I believe the verse will be on the screen, it said, and there shall in no wise enter into it. Talk about heaven. Anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Notice, talking about what will not get there. Those that defile, those that work abomination, you say, what does that mean? Well, if we had time, we could cover that. But one thing we all know what it means, it said, neither maketh a lie. How many here has never, not one time in life, never told a lie? Would you raise your hand? My friend, that qualifies you as a sinner and disqualifies you from heaven. But when you trust Christ as your Savior, the blood of Christ cleanses you from all sin. And he forgives you, gives you eternal life. So you may be a good person. You may have told a few lies in your time. time but my friend, even one, make one lie will keep you out of heaven. Otherwise, you need a Savior. No, we all have sinned, have we not? And because we've sinned, we've earned God's judgment. The wages of sin is death. And because I've sinned, I've earned punishment from God. And my sin must be punished. If I'm punished for it, I have to die and go to hell to do it. But the good news is Jesus was punished in my place. The judgment for our sin was taking place on the cross. When Christ died, my friend, he died for you. In your place to pay your sin debt, he was buried and he rose again. And now the God of heaven offers you forgiveness, eternal life, free to you, 
at the expense of his son. Our part is by faith receive the payment Christ made for us and trust him to be our savior. And the moment you do that, he'll forgive you and give you eternal life. And you can look forward to one day going to heaven. Now, if you die, you go to heaven immediately, absent from the body, present with the Lord. And your, gra- your body will put in the grave. But if the Lord comes, my friend, all of a sudden, we're all going to be gone. Called up to meet the Lord in the air and to be with the Lord forever. So let me close with this. Have you ever personally trusted Christ as your Savior? If you have, my friend, you can look forward to this time. This is yet future. This will be the completion of your salvation. It will happen one day. But until that day comes, let's be faithful. Let's live clean lives. But if you've never trusted Christ as Savior, that's what you should do today. Take God at his word and receive his son to be your Savior. Let's bow together, please. With every head bowed and every eye closed, please. My message this morning was for those of you that know Christ. We've been talking about God's wonderful salvation. It has a past aspect. It has a present aspect. Also has a future aspect. That we have been saved. We are being saved. And one day we shall be saved. What a wonderful salvation God's given to us. And that should motivate us to be faithful and live clean lives. But if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ to be your Savior, my friend, that's the most important decision you make in life. And you can do it right now. Right where you sit, in the quietness of your own mind, you can talk to the true name of God and you can trust Jesus to be your Savior. You say, Pastor, that makes sense to me. But I I don't know how to do that. I don't know what to do. Why not, in your own thoughts, only he knows your thoughts, you cannot go wrong. Why not talk to God and say something like this? Just say, dear God of heaven, I admit that I'm a sinner. And God, because I've sinned, I realize I owe a penalty for my sin. The judgment for my sin is death in a place called hell. But I believe that when Christ died, he died for my sin. He paid the penalty that I owe. I believe he died for me. I believe he was buried. I believe he rose again. And right here today, I want to trust Christ to be my Savior. I want to trust him to forgive me and to give me eternal life. As heads are bowed and eyes still closed. My friend, if you talk to God and you spoke to him and you trust him as your Savior, according to the Bible, right now, heaven's your home. God saves you the moment you do that. But I'd like to know if anyone did that today. I want to pray for those who made that decision for the first time this morning. So if you're here today and that's the first time you understood that truth and you trusted Christ to be your Savior... Would you allow me to pray for you by simply raise your hand with heads bowed and eyes closed? Simply raise your hand and say, hey, Pastor, I trust Christ. Here's my hand. Indicate I, I've done that today. Or at all, Pastor, here's my hand. I trust Christ. Please pray for me. Anyone at all this morning? Paul in heaven, we thank you for the salvation you've given to us, how wonderful it is. And for I pray that what we've learned the last several weeks will motivate us to be faithful to you and live lives that are pleasing to you. Help us to be the kind of Christian that you're pleased with. In Christ's name we pray, amen.